Hello and welcome to the Wilding and Owens show here on exclusively on Twitch TV. Matt Wilding alongside Luke Owens. Luke kind of kind of startled, kind of on edge here. Uh, not only do we not have a song to get me involved and hyped up on the Twitch stream, but we're also moments away from the Islanders returning to the ice for game six of the Eastern Division finals, I guess is what they're calling it. The second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs taking on the Boston Bruins. Tied 1-1 will give you live updates and I guess some reactions as the game continues, Luke, because we're probably going to catch all the second period and probably maybe a beginning bit of that for, of that uh, third period. But a lot going on in, in the world of sports, Luke. We've got the Islanders, obviously, and we can also, I guess, kick things off with, with Garrett Cole and the sticky stuff debate going on in the MLB, Luke. And for those of you that, that don't necessarily know, it's the MLB has been collecting baseball since the beginning of the year to figure out the amount of pitchers using some sort of tacky substance to help grip the ball better. Uh, people are saying that the results were shocking. And Luke, you kind of added during our pre-show meeting that, you know, you weren't too surprised that it was so shocking. You know, this is a pretty relatively well-known phenomenon that's been going on in, in baseball for quite some time now. And it finally seems to be kind of biting the pitchers back in, in their backsides. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because I mean, everyone knew this was going on. I mean, if you watch baseball or even if you just are on, you know, the sports side of Twitter, Every single game, there seemed to be a video. Like there, I remember there was a Garrett Cole video where there was clear, clearly stuff on his cap. There was a John Means with the glove. Uh, people tried to make a thing out of that DeGrom thing, but I don't think that was anything. But anyways, it's been going on forever. And when I say forever, I mean forever. Like back to the, the early 1900s with spitballs and stuff like that. Like people have been altering the baseballs forever. But the problem is it's now created this huge advantage for pitchers because they have the ability to spin the ball more than they've ever been able to before. and I have a theory this kind of was kind of thought of first by the Astros, or at least they executed it better. And I'm not saying that just because of the situation, but they got, they got guys like Garrett Cole, guys like Justin Verlander, guys like Charlie Morton, good pitchers, but they came there and they increased their spin rate and then they went off and kept doing it. So it's really interesting because it's not just, you know, bad pitchers that are using it to, to kind of become good. It's great pitchers using it to become even greater. And so it's become a really big problem for the MLB because now the hitters are like, Hey, our numbers look terrible. We can't hit, and we have to get paid too. It's not fair out here. So it's it's a really interesting kind of butting of heads right now where, you know, when the steroids era happened, everyone was like, hey, be quiet. This is awesome. But now people are like, hey, this kind of sucks, and this game isn't really watchable right now. But why is it happening now, Luke, right? Like last year we had the most home runs, or the last two years we've had the most home runs in baseball history, basically. You know, guys are hitting left and right. You know, not incredible offense in terms of moving runners around, but you got runners on base. You got home runs to get those runners home. This year, obviously, you saw baseball, I guess, what was it? You know, lower those seams, make it tighter to the ball. So now it was favoring the pitchers. You know, why is it the sticky stuff now that's the issue? Why wasn't it, you know, two years ago even? It's really not, and that's the thing, and you, and you brought up a great point. The problem is they changed the baseball. That's the biggest problem, and the MLB won't accept that that's the issue. And I think that's baseball's biggest problem right now, because when you look around at the NFL, the, at the NBA, uh, hockey, they use the same ball every single year. Like nothing changes. Obviously, you know, when deflate gate happened, that was a big thing. But like the MLB changing the ball to try to lessen home runs made no sense because they're at a place where, yes, it was kind of boring because it was three true outcomes, a lot of home runs, a lot of strikeouts because the pitchers had that advantage. But the hitters had the advantage, too, where the ball was flying out. So it was kind of like an equilibrium. But now the MLB is like, oh, wait, they can't hit. And the pitchers have way too much of an advantage now. And they can't change the balls midseason. So they're in just a terrible spot. So I think it's really the MLB's fault that we even got to this point. And, and that's what's kind of unfortunate. And to me, it's very reminiscent of the PED scandal. You know, baseball lets this continue. And again, this is something that's been going on, like you said, Luke, for many years. But only now is it being enforced by baseball because it's, it's ruining the entertainment factor of the sport. But, you know. Five years ago when Garrett Cole was getting fixed by the Astros and presumably using this this sticky substance, whatever it might be, you know, there wasn't an issue. And same with, with steroids. When there was no issue with the steroids and everyone was having fun, no one cared. But all of a sudden it was brought up and baseball, you know, basically robbed many players of Hall of Fame careers. You know, Barry Bonds should probably be a Hall of Famer. And if this is, it doesn't feel quite as big, in my opinion, as the steroid scandal, I guess, because, you know, I never really lived through it being, you know, a young kid back then, but, but this can't be like that. And I think there's such a very easy resolution and solution for baseball to, to put forth. And they've basically already used this. 
baseball should come out and say, listen, anything that's happened in the past does not count. Treat it like the Astros. We want to know who's using this, but this cannot, this past stuff is out of, out of our control. We can't ban people or create an issue for this, for the past actions. So if Garrett Cole used it and a lot of his comments, you know, the way that he spoke, and we'll get to that in a little bit, Luke, it's all pointing towards him using it. You know, Trevor Bauer, there's a lot of ideas and, and feelings based in fact that, that he's using it. But back then, and, you know, a week ago even, it shouldn't matter. It should all fall on what's happening from June 9th today or, you know, June 14th when they start the suspension process moving forward because it's not fair to Garrett Cole that he's going to lose all, lose out on a Hall of Fame career because of the stuff that everybody was doing over the last couple of years and, and possibly even longer. Yeah, and I think the also difference with steroids, obviously, is steroids actually can harm you. Like, this is obviously just something they're putting on the ball. So, like, you can look at steroids and be like, those are bad because you're injecting yourself with something that can that can mess with your body. But this is kind of different. And you can't quantify it as much because, like, are we going to have a guy throw, like, 300 strikeouts and be like, well, I don't know if that really counts. Like, is there an asterisk next to it? Like, it's so crazy to me that this keeps happening. And every single sport, people try to gain an advantage. But it feels like baseball is the one sport where it's always, like, the little things that keep happening. Like, with the Astros, with other teams and things like that. And it's just crazy to me. And like you said, I think you have to go with the approach of, okay, Okay, we're going to start it now. But it's crazy because a lot of people are freaking out. Like, everyone everyone knew this was happening. But then when Garrett Cole had a bad start and his, his RPMs were down, everyone was like, oh, my gosh, like, Garrett Cole was doing it. It's like, well, we already kind of knew that. And now people are overreacting to it or, I guess, reacting to it. So it's like Garrett Cole has become, like, the face or the scapegoat. But there's a lot of people that have been doing this. So it's kind of interesting to see the different sides of it. And I don't know if you saw Pete Alonso's comments today. Those were kind of interesting, too. Well, look, if you read the uh, the show rundown, you'd know that I that I brought those up. But let's get back to Garrett oh. Cole first. We'll, we'll, oh, yeah. I see. I'll give you yeah. a live Garrett Cole update, <laughs> Luke. One inning pitched, one hit allowed, two strikeouts, just 14 pitches. So, and you know who we struck out, Matt? Let's see here. Uh, oh, um, Josh Donaldson. That is correct. So, I guess he didn't, you know, throw at Donaldson, who, again, kind of started the, the Garrett Cole saga within – the sticky situation when he said basically he, he basically called out uh Garrett Cole, right, Luke? He basically said, Hey, Garrett Cole's using this without yeah. saying it in that many words. Yeah, he basically said, Oh, look at uh what happened after the MLB said they're gonna crack down. Look what happened, Garrett Cole's next start. And it's like, why is Josh Donaldson like he hasn't even played the Yankees yet this year? They're coming into town and Cole's pitching and you're saying it. I don't know. Did you see he was wearing an extra like rib protector too? Was he Donaldson? Yeah, I didn't see that. And I mean, Michael K no, said that if he was uh, Garrett yeah. Cole, he'd, th- Michael he'd K throw at him. a little bit. Yeah, that that's. I mean, I don't know if you throw at him. Does that kind of prove Donaldson's point that you are using it, or is that or is that not even also, in question at that point? A lot of people are like, "Oh, Cole's definitely gonna throw at him." I was like, Cole doesn't really strike me as that personality. Like he said, like. Oh, like I didn't really pay much attention to what Donaldson said. Like whatever, you can have his opinion, blah blah blah. But he doesn't strike me as someone that's just gonna throw. Because if he throws at Donaldson, he's getting ejected immediately. Like he doesn't seem to me like a guy that would sacrifice a whole game just to get back at him with a fastball. So what you're saying is a dumb idea, anyways. What you're saying is he should throw at him, you know, as his last pitch of the of the of the game. Yeah, you know, he should be in the seventh inning, clawing his (laughs) way through the top of the order just to get the Josh Donaldson at. Moon comes to pull him. He's like. Booney. He's like, Booney, Donaldson's coming up in two batters, man. Let me stay in. Yeah. That's how you do it. But but to get back to Garrett Cole and the answer that he had for when he was asked, do you use spider tack, which is one of those those gripping substances, he gave what could have been the worst answer of all time, Luke. <laughs> and I can't really give it ju- justice by reading it out to you. And we obviously I know. Have, I wish we could play it. I know. I've got to figure out how to run that on, on OBS, the, the audio software. But yeah. Um, he basically paused for 15 seconds and said, I don't know, about three times. And then went on to say, I don't know how to qu- uh, quite how to answer that, to be honest. There are customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players, from the last generation players to this generation players. And, you know, I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds in that regard. I've stood pretty firm in, ter- uh, in terms of that, in terms of communication between our peers and whatnot. Uh, yada, yada. We should, um, if the MLB wants to legislate this stuff more, that's a conversation we can have. Which, I think that first half is awful. I don't think it makes any sense. But him yeah. saying, he could have just left it like this. If he said, 
you know, if the MLB wants to legislate this stuff, that's a conversation we can have because ultimately we should be all pulling on the same direction of this. That's a great answer. Like, I didn't really read that part isolated until just now. And that in itself is a great answer. But for him to say, I don't know how to answer a yes or no question, you're basically admitting guilt, which is fine. You know, I don't expect him to come out here and lie and say I haven't used it. I don't expect him to come out here and say, hey, look, I might have used it, but so has every single other pitcher. But what he could have said is, look, you know, I was using it and many others were using it at a time when MLB kind of confused us and, and led us to believe that it was okay or that they were okay with it. Now that's being regulated more, I'm all for that, and I, I will never use it again, or I won't use it again. Something like that, to me, would speak better about him, because we all know he used it, and this didn't help him wash that away. Yeah, I mean, it's just tough, though, because if he comes out and admits it, it's like, that's kind of a stain, you but know? But he didn't say He didn't say it he know, did, factually, but, but he, he didn't directly say it. But he didn't say he didn't do it. It's a yes or no question. He, he, he did it. I think this is a different... But this is a different conversation if he says, yes, I did it. Because then people are going to go, okay, how much success is attributed to that? Like, but they're, they're doing say, that how long anyway. have you been using it? They're doing that now. So they'll anyway. say how, right? Not to the same extent, though. I haven't uh, seen that many people be like, I, I haven't seen that many people say that. It, it's a lose-lose situation. He definitely answered it very awkwardly. He, he answered it terribly. But I think, like, at the end of the day, like, what is he going to say? Like, his whole first half was, pitchers have been cheating this entire time. And I was doing it. He didn't say I was doing it, but that's essentially what he's saying. So it was definitely an awkward answer, but there's not a good way to do it. Because you can't say you didn't do it, because then when you get caught, you look terrible. And you can't say you did do it. I don't think you can say you did it, because I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you take ownership of it, but if he is like, I, I did it, but everyone else did it. Also, you have to remember, he is on the, the MLBPA like, executive board. Like he's, he's a Players Association guy. So that is another reason why it's kind of a weird a weird answer from him, I think. That's a good point because I don't think he wants to throw his his peers under the bus, right, Luke? But also, like, yeah, imagine if he was able to step up and and, and figure out an agreement with the pitchers, and they all said, "Look, like," and kind of pull what Pete Alonso, to some extent, was doing. Pete Alonso was was asked about it, and he basically blamed baseball. You know, Alonso said that the bigger bigger issue is the fact that they're manipulating these baseballs instead of cracking down on foreign substances, which you know. You know, Garrett Cole could have said, look, baseball didn't tell us not to use this directly. They didn't enforce the punishment. And how are we supposed to know when this competitive edge gets too far? Right. How did the Astros, yeah. you know, the Astros, you can clearly see that using the, the Apple watches with the Red Sox and, and you know, cameras and, and trash cans. That was too far. That's pretty obvious. But how do you know if using a little too much resin or, or whatever is, is too far? You, you kind of don't. So for baseball to now come in and throw the book at Garrett Cole, it'd be so unfair just because everyone has been using this stuff. And that's what's tough for me, Luke, to kind of process because I understand this is a problem and I understand that this sticky substance isn't good for baseball. But let's not act like the MLB did nothing to stop it up until a month ago, two weeks ago, Yeah. right? Yeah, and I think it. I think it also totally kills like, yeah, like numbers in general across the board are so low right now. It's so crazy, and I think it's kind of like what you were saying is like trying to find the line between what's gamesmanship and what's cheating. And the MLB never drew the line until right now. Like they're just like we knew that using cameras to see signs and stuff like that was not good. Like, but if you're on second base and you happen to see the catcher throw down a fastball and you signal it's a fastball, maybe that's just gamesmanship. So it's kind of trying to find that line. But we don't know what the line is for, for baseballs because you're allowed to use a, a rosin bag. They have one out on the mound for you to use, you know? Guys have said, yeah, they should be able to use pine tar when it's cold out, like batters do, to be able to grip better. But when you throw, you know, the spider tack in the mix, that's too far. But the MLB never established that. So I guess to a certain extent, Garrett Cole should, could have said what you said and said, you know what, they never told me what I could and couldn't do. I thought I was okay. Now I'm done. But it's just so tough when there's no lines drawn. And it's just – it's like too much is changing right now for baseball. They're not even getting to the core of these issues. So, Luke, I imagine you're not watching the Yankee game right now, right? Not. Just got a, a notification from Bleach Report that said that Garrett Cole stared down Josh Donaldson yeah, after striking him out. Got so that I haven't seen that. Uh, and it's 2 uh, nothing Yankees, top second. How about that for the Yankees? 
Take yeah, that the for bats struggling. Come alive, baby. They just needed to play the Twins. All rise. Aaron Judge with a solo shot uh, in that first inning, top of the first, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good on, good on Judge. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton had a base hit as well, I guess, in the second inning. No, in the first. I don't know. I don't know how this game is working right now. The, the, I'm looking at you the box score right now, Luke, and it's very confusing. They would have been the first inning. What was that? You don't know how to read a box score. It well, would have been the first inning. He hit second. He hit second in the lineup. Stan hit fourth. Oh, you hit fourth today? Stan, yeah, Judge hit second. Well, if Judge homered, then Stan would have gotten up in the first. Right, but then there was a – oh, wow. Okay, yeah, I'm just a moron. Matt discovers box scores here on the Wally and Owen show. It's really no, beautiful. No, I know what they – this makes no sense, though. What? I don't understand what you're what you're confused about. Okay, no, I see it now. All right. Okay. Well, a box score won't tell you when it happened. I, I know that, Luke, but I'm trying to do it in my head while I'm trying to host a show and watch the Islanders tied one. Well, no one said you had to go second. the box score and tell me that Stan hit a single. Well, I was in the oh, – whatever. Moving on. Um, you want to talk Yankees or you want to talk Mets? Let's talk Mets. I have, I have some takes. All right. Well, uh, Pete Alonzo – do you want to start with Pete Alonzo and, and what he said? Yeah, yeah, it ties in nice. It ties in nice. Yeah, Alonzo said, so getting back to that biggest uh, concern is the MLB manipulating baseballs. Sorry? A lot of sticky talk on the show tonight. A lot of sticky talk. Uh, which, you know, I think we, we both agree we hate the term sticky stuff when talking about yeah, uh, anything that, that helps a pitcher grip a ball. Baseball, what was the other word we hated? Oh, like social distancing? That was one, right? Didn't like that terminology yeah, we, for it. Got sick of it. Yeah. Fan of the act, not a fan of the words used to describe it. Same with yeah. new normal. Well, people are going crazy with it. Yeah. New normal makes me so mad. Uh, Just the term uh, itself, like, no, stop it. There, there's oh Islanders. Nelson on a mini breakaway. Wow. The Islanders take it two nothing, uh, two to one. Look at that smile. On- Look at that smile. See, we we should start doing these streams more during the game, just so I could do little minutia of play by play here and there. The live I saw updates. the little, uh, I saw a little uh, like childhood come out in you there for a second. You were you were excited. I uh, oh wow, what a nice play too. He poked it through the the five hole of the defender to get around him. What a beautiful play, man. These Islanders are fun, and we'll, we'll talk about them later in the show. Uh, the winner of this series facing Tampa Bay, which is. On an app, just an absolute buzzsaw. They were, yeah. I think they played only 10 games this postseason, one each series and five. But getting back to the Mets, Luke, Pete Alonso basically saying in a video conference that MLB is changing the, the ball based on the free agent class that's coming up. He said in 2019, there was a huge class of free agent pitchers, and that's when the quote unquote juiced balls. Uh, and then 2020 was a stranger with COVID season, but now we're back to playing in a regular season with a ton of shortstops or position players. They're going to be paid a lot of money, like high-caliber players. I mean, that's not a coincidence. It's definitely something that they do. This is a pretty serious accusation, Luke, and I yeah. kind of want to get, get your thoughts on it, but this was something that was unprompted, too, by the reporters. So the fact that he came out there and said it was very significant. Yeah, it's the first time I've ever heard anyone say this before. And to come from Pete Alonso is kind of interesting. And so I kind of get what he's saying. So he's saying when there's a good pitcher class, they make sure there's a lot of hits so those pitchers don't get paid as much. And then, obviously, with position players now, they're not hitting well. I mean, Lindor's kind of heating up now, but think of that. I mean, that's kind of how all the shortstops are hitting right now. Not quite as bad, but when they hit free agency, they don't get paid as much. That would be an absolutely monumental conspiracy, though. Like, I hope he understands what he's implying right now. And also, I'm thinking, like, some years there's good pitchers and good hitters, so I don't know what they do there. Um, so I don't know if I'm all in on it. Um, but I have a feeling he's going to be getting uh, some some uh, discipline handed down from the MLB after this. I mean, he also only gave two examples, one where they tried to yeah. promote home runs, and then another where they tried to – they said, oh, wait, like too many home runs, let's dial it back. And there, there's certainly two extremes that the, the league messed up on, but it's not an exact science finding the right and- laces, you know, the right stitching. And by the way, Garrett Cole still got paid a lot of money after that. So I, but, I don't know if that is But to a, give a give Alonzo some, some credit, Luke, you know, he's only been in the league for a couple of years. And in those years, he's seen – That's true. He's, That's have true. we ever heard about changing the stitches on the ball ever up until the last three years, I guess, at this point, right? Like that was never a thing that really happened, at least as far no. as I can remember, in, you know, 
2009 when the Yankees were winning World Series, you know, no one was talk won their World Series. No one was talking about the stitching. You know, in 2015 when the Mets went to the World Series, no one was talking about this stitching. Now all of a sudden it's in the news, and and this kind of coincides with the the owners trying to pay players less. You know, Bryce Harper takes free agency through months of free agency before finally getting a contract. Same with Manny Machado. Same with you know DJ LeMahieu. All these guys, all of a sudden since this started happening, have been getting paid. You know, the big guys are getting paid their money, but you're certainly seeing this pushback by the owners and by the teams to try to spend less. Yeah, and I think that's a good point, and I, I could definitely see that being a thing. I also think it lines up just with when people started complaining the most about baseball or thinking that it wasn't good enough anymore. And it's tough because I think the NBA is becoming a really entertaining product. I think the NHL has absolutely been crushing it, especially these playoffs have been so entertaining. I mean, NHL I don't think will ever be – you know, quite to the level just because they don't have, you know, they're gaining some more national exposure, but I don't think they'll ever be at that level, but they have that excitement and obviously the NFL is king. So I think baseball kind of sees that and they're like, how do we become more exciting? Let's have more home runs. And now people are like, well, now there's too many strikeouts. Like they're just not able to find that balance. And it's going to, it's an issue because guys are really talented. Like these pitchers are really good and these hitters are good too. But when they're taught to only hit home runs because they can't really do anything else, it's really tough. Yep, and and Luke, I don't know what I just did here, but I'm trying to transition your, to fix your camera in in the screen, and I apologize to those it listening at up? home. It just took about like ten seconds to get you through, so there was a big like weird haze over oh. uh, over your screen. Okay, so you won't see it. You're not watching the Twitch stream, but but the <laughs> couple of viewers again. I don't know why I'm trying to do this on the fly. This is like the second time I've completely butchered our entire you know, situation here. You know, last week I shut down the stream for 30 seconds. Didn't yeah. record it properly. I'm a mess, Luke. I'm just... Missed a great point for me, too. I heard what you said. You were you were going over the air. Well, yeah, but... You were know. saying... Oh, what, like, oh, I did miss what you said. People missed out. I was talking about the Knicks. I don't people know. heard what you said. Oh, they did? Yeah. I thought you said we went off air for 30 seconds. No, that was last... You're not listening to me. Last week we went off air. I'm air talking about seconds. last week. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we Not this there, at least. I don't even know. I haven't made any good points this week. Not yet, at least. But they're, they're coming, trust me. Oh, yeah. Um, what else? Let's see. What's going on with the Yankee game here? And and with the Mets, too, last night, a real tough loss. I mean, you lose 10-3. Uh, I read your, your rundown, Luke, and it said some – or I read the, the tweet you sent out because I didn't do the Mets up until that point. I think we were talking about the Mets and, and their play. Uh, you said that – I guess you said they got rocked by the Orioles. I thought they rocked the Orioles. And I No, they think. rocked the Orioles. They lost last night. It's, no, t- today. Oh, well, they're still playing today. It's 7-1 it's to one in the third. Yeah, but it can come back. The tweet says, Mets rocking Orioles in the present tense. Okay, well, that, that, that's not really present tense. You're using a gerund. Yes, it is. That's not, not present, present tense. There's no verb. R would be the verb in that scenario. R rocking the Orioles. The but Mets are rocking the Orioles, yes. Rocking Orioles is the same thing as Mets are rocking the Orioles. Well, no, there's no verb. It doesn't in, need in an second. R. It's a tweet. It's a tweet that I use like three words per line on. I so know. And I get con- and I consolidated. You want me to write a paragraph? Present tense when you're not the using the Mets verb. Currently lead the Baltimore Orioles seven to one in the top of the third inning. I'll do Thank that you. next time. Thank you. I Run appreciate that. Yeah, leave a Figure tweet to me. All right. Figure it out. Come on. Oh, because you do such a good job tweeting out our podcast. <laughs> I don't even know if the podcasts are posted anymore. I have no information. They, they get posted. The, they'll be ready for the morning after the show. Okay. I, you I know stopped what? I'll recording tweet morning. and I put it on Anchor right away. All, All right. right. I'll tweet tomorrow morning. Thank I you. I got it. You I'll remember. I'll be, I'll be looking. I mean, you didn't even attempt yeah, let's to do talk it last Max. week. Did you see, my, did you see when I tweeted it what? or no? I saw it, yeah. Okay. Just making sure. Because you didn't ask. You know, I didn't like it because it was a shortened version of it. It wasn't even the full thing. That's fair. It only deserves half a like. Which in this case you exactly. ran down. Uh, Mets yeah. up eight to one, Luke. You said before the show that it's always nice that Matt Harvey, you know, lets the Mets kind of toss him around a little bit uh, every time he faces them. Yeah, I I'm gonna say this, and I, I know Mets fans are gonna get mad at me right now, but I, I'm like a little bit concerned because yes, they're playing better lately, but they remind me a lot of the Yankees in that they're getting a lot from their starting pitching, but the offense isn't really there right now they're dead last in the MLB in runs per game they're second to last in home runs like they're just not a great offensive team and I know that's because of the injuries I totally get that so when they're fully healthy I think they'll be okay 
And right now they're playing the Orioles, so they should be okay right now too. I'm just worried if there's a stretch that comes up where uh, they're playing, you know, they got San Diego again coming up, who they just split with, but they've got San Diego, Chicago, Washington, Atlanta, Philadelphia. So those are big games. And they're not teams that are playing well in terms of the NL East. I think that's why the Mets are doing so well, because they are in the NL East. And, you know, Lindor playing better is good for them. But they, there are, like, shades of the Mets that do remind me of the Yankees. They just don't have a ton of offense right now. And I think that their pitching is overperforming a little bit. You know, they don't have Thor. They don't have Carrasco back. Guys like David Peterson aren't really pitching well. So I am a little bit worried that it could crash down. But I don't want to be seen as a hater. Luke, how about this for, for, for data or for analytics? Yeah. The uh, yes. 538, the, I guess it's an ESPN vehicle, right? Had a story. Why the Mets might actually be good is the title. Oh. And according to a deeper dive, it suggests that the Mets are better than, the, than that 29th uh, ranked offense. According to base runs, which is a metric that estimates the number of runs a team should have scored uh, or allowed based on the individual offensive events, um, yada, yada. Mets are the unluckiest team in the league so far this season. From that underlying stat, we would expect the Mets to be scoring 0.25 more runs per game, which would tie them for the third, third biggest shortfall in the MLB, which means that they are you know, expected to score a lot more than they're getting. I don't know where I'm going with that. Well, listen, Matt. You know what I say as an anti-analytic guy. If you should have scored, you should have scored. You should have put the runs across the board, am I right? <laughs> what am I reading here? If we base, I don't know. If we rank off base runs ex- expectations instead of the actual numbers, New York still ranks 28th in scoring. Okay, never mind. They stink. So, well, what, why is the article titled that way? Man? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I guess the whole thing is that. Um, they, they easily have the best run prevention core, which is what you were saying, Luke, which is, let's see here. So base runs allowed um, or actual is 3.42, whereas their expected runs allowed is 3.14. So you combine those two differences and they should be extending their run differential by half a game based on these expectations. But they're not all okay. coming from okay. run scored. So it really makes no difference. And, and, I think your point's good, Luke, in the sense that they have struggled to score. But recently, we've seen Francisco Lindor try to pull out of a slump, right? We've seen him try to get better. He's climbing slowly that that average, getting up to 218. You know, Alonzo's hitting better at 263 now compared to before. Dom Smith continues to hit. And the last three guys in this lineup, you know, aside from Kevin Pillar, who's a guy that I guess was expected to play decent games this year, Williams, I don't know who, what his first name is, Peraza, Mason, Mason Williams, and oh, what's the other guy? Yeah, he's terrible. Who's this other dude? Jose Peraza. Jose Peraza. Like they're not everyday baseball players. <laughs> yeah, Billy. No. Billy uh, That's why I said Billy yeah. McKinney. He's not an everyday Met. Just wait for all these guys to come back, and and obviously they have struggled to score. They might continue to struggle even when those guys come back. But for right now, you're you're playing in a very winnable division, and when it comes playoff time, you know. Good pitching usually beats good hitting. And I think if they can stay above water and make it to the playoffs, they've got a really good shot because I would probably put up their rotation against any other rotation in baseball, including the Dodgers at this point. I think it's that good. With Stroman the way he's been pitching, DeGrom is, could quite possibly be the best pitcher of all time. This might be the best single season a pitcher will ever have. I mean, that's a good pitching staff when yeah. you bring Carrasco back into the mix, Syndergaard. I mean, have you ever seen a team, Luke, be able to run four starters that you trust in the playoffs it's usually three this team might have four yeah i mean they're crazy good and and throw in a top five bullpen as well which is really shocking something that i didn't really see coming but these guys are all performing extremely well and yeah like i said like once they get guys back they'll be fine they being in this division is gonna be really helpful because we could be looking in july like they could have an eight game lead in this division like it's been that bad and i don't know i think the braves are the one team that will figure it out but the other teams like Philly, to me, has always been kind of average. The Nationals look terrible, and the Marlins aren't great. So it's really about if the Braves heat up. And if the Braves don't heat up, the Mets could really run away with this thing. And that really helps them because they can rest guys. They've already proven they can win without their starters, which is kind of like the Yankees from a few years ago. So I'm not that worried about them compared to the Yankees, who have had basically their full team, and they still can't hit. So I'm not trying to, to you know rain on the Mets parade because I still do think they're a good team. And like you said, their pitching is great. But I'm saying if the pitching regresses a little bit, they better hope that offense kind of boosts up a little bit. All right, Luke, I know we're about a minute early, but I want to give you time for what you said is going to be a, a meh odd man rush. I hope that's not me 
bringing it out right. of school to say that you, you called it not so great. But but this ends well in, in, in two ways for me, at least, Luke. It could be such a train wreck that it's embarrassing to watch and listen to, and I get to hold that over your head for a while, or it's going to be great. And I think it's going to be the latter. I think this is going to be a great odd man rush. So I hand over the proverbial keys to you, Luke, to the to this engine, this choo-choo train of sorts that we're running here. Go give us a, give us a whirl. So we go to Odd Man Rush. See, I gave a little pause there. I want to, I want to let the people really think about what's going to happen here. Uh, I think it'll be okay. We'll see. We got it right at 9 o'clock on the dot. We're feeling good. Uh, we start with Tom Theo Diabo, also known as Tom Thibodeau. Thibodeau, excuse me. I, I'm getting that right now. Uh, he's won the Coach of the Year Award, as announced the other day. He actually had less first-place votes than Monty Williams, but he had more total points. He had a lot of second-place votes. That won him the award. Pretty cool. He won it a decade after he won his first Coach of the Year Award. So, that's kind of a testament to him. Of course, brought the Knicks to that 41-31 and 31 record, fourth seed in the East, despite being projected to be a lottery team. So good for Tom Thibodeau. I think he deserved it. I think if I had a vote, I would have voted for him. Monty Williams did a great job. He's a great story, too, but it's so hard to look past what Thibs did with this roster. It's hard to – I don't want to say explain, but to decide on the two because – what Monty Williams did in, in Phoenix, I mean, that's a team that's what the the two seed in the you know tough Western Conference, yeah. That that manages to beat, you know, an Anthony Davis less less Lakers team and, and a kind of knock a roughed up LeBron James, but he had talent on that team. The Knicks didn't have the talent that Phoenix had this season, and that's what makes it so impressive for the Knicks and and Thibodeau. But but you can you really blame a team that also improved by what 20 plus games last year i mean they improved yeah. phoenix improved by a significant margin but i think you're right luke but they also maybe chris paul he did yeah maybe it's maybe it's the east coast bias luke us being in new york maybe it's the the love affair we have with the knicks and and coach tibbs but i think i'd give it to thibodeau as well yeah no i will say though i i've been loving watching the suns i hate i hate the west coast because 10 p.m is just it's really a brutal time to start a basketball game for, for, for me. For like us, Luke, you, you can't stay up that late. You just can't. Exactly. Although you might be staying up late. Uh, That's for, right. For working purposes in the near future. I don't know if you wanted to break that news yet, but. No, we'll, we'll sit on that. We'll wait till it's official. Oh, wait. Okay, cool. Okay. I have, I, have a, I have a great rant to go on in, in correlation to that. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so congrats to Thibs for that. Uh, like I said, Monty Williams had a great year as well. Sun's still rolling. Uh, more West Coast basketball. We got the Utah Jazz defeating the Clippers 112 to 109 in game one. Donovan Mitchell, 45 points. Future Nick, 16 of 30 shooting. Uh, Rudy Gobert blocked the potential game tying three, and the Jazz took game one. Of course, Playoff P getting dragged on Twitter after we went four of 17 from the floor. I feel bad for Paul George. I feel like every single time he does anything wrong, he's immediately trending on Twitter. Luke, you talk about playoff P. How about playoff Brock Nelson? He gets his second of the night. Wow. During you know your, your, your tirade of the Jazz and Clippers, a, a really big misstep by Tuka Rass. You know, uh, a, a Boston Bruins uh, media uh, personality that covers the Bruins and covers Boston said that, you know, Tuka Rask is not Tristan Jari. And he, he's played like Tristan Jari. Gave up four goals and like 15 shots in game five. Had to be pulled afterwards. Bruce Cassidy's losing his mind. We'll get to all that, you know, in the last segment of the afternoon, I guess, during or of the night, you know, I guess when the Islander game's in intermission going into that third period. But to to go back to the Jazz, Luke. Well, I was going to say it's a good, like, transition low-key because Tuka Rask kind of catches some of that slack from the Boston media piles on him during the playoffs. Like, the whole thing about him not being able to win in the playoffs is like, it becomes a huge deal, and it kind of reminds me of, of Paul George. Great players in the regular season, and then everyone just comes down on them for the playoffs. But but this year, you know, Bruce Cassidy's going 5D chess. He's putting all the, the comments on himself. You know, game five yeah. afterwards, he said that the, the, the Islanders have created this agenda, this, this narrative that they're saint-like. He said that the refs, basically calling out the refs. And, you know, they've they've I think they've called the game relatively even in terms of the penalties so far tonight. But, again, getting back to this Jazz Clippers series, Luke, I really wish the Clippers lost after in that first round just to see what would happen with Paul George with Kawhi because I think they both have opt-outs after this year, and it would have been really interesting to see what happens with the two of them if you do lose this round and how do you know how do the how do the Clippers rebound because you basically just allowed this team to or these two guys to completely change your team 
and almost like the Nets, except on the, the opposite side of that, you know, the, the Sten, if you will, the opposite of the Nets. They, wow. <laughs> you know, the Clippers, this is what happens in a bad light when you try to create a super team. And you have these two guys basically take control of your entire organization. Yeah, and they also don't really catch that much slack, I feel, with with the Lakers in town. Like, no one even – I mean, they kind of got clowned when they lost last year, but not to the extent that the Lakers did this year that – I don't know. Actually, I don't know. Well, no, I would disagree with you. I think that the Clippers really? catch a lot of a lot of heat heat for, for what they do. At least Paul George does. At least Paul George yeah. does. You know, Doc Rivers gets fired because of the bubble to some extent, right? He, he leaves after this, after this past year. Um I don't know. I, I guess you're right in the sense that they don't have that hype that the Lakers do. But, you know, let's be real. I guess on the national scale, they are the, the clowns of the NBA, even dating back to when Chris Paul was there. Yeah, I guess that's fair. But let's let's be honest. Kawhi wasn't great last night either, and he never really catches that. So, well, he's uh, a robot. Yeah, he, he, emotion, he has an so. opt-out. Paul George does, because Paul George just signed an extension this past year, so he might not. Oh, maybe but yeah, he doesn't Kawhi- then. Kawhi's gonna be oh, really right, because Paul George was traded. Never mind. Yeah, Paul George was traded. I forgot about that. Um, let's talk some hockey, though. Some more hockey. Vegas defeats Colorado 3-2 to two in overtime last night to take a 3-2 to two series lead. Uh, Mark Stone with a great play. He blocked his shot. You can tell he's a little bit winded, but he goes end-to-end, gets a beautiful pass, buries it. Vegas goes up 3-2, to two, going back to their home barn for game uh, six. Yeah, that's good math. Uh, I'm really excited. This has been a, such a good series. Like, I was looking forward to this series, I think, the most. Uh, you know, the Islanders, too, but I'm obviously not an Islanders fan. But just from an outsider's perspective, so much talent. Really fun, fast, back-and-forth games. And Vegas, 3-2 to two lead going back home. They got to be feeling pretty good right now. They do. And, and this is a team in Vegas that has, hasn't seemed to be able to get over that hump, Luke. Obviously, they make the, the cup finals in their first year of existence. But, you know, this team expects to win a championship basically every single year since they've been in existence, right? And they have the talent finally. You know, Mark Stone's a legitimate top 10 player in the NHL. You finally bring in a legit defenseman with Petrangelo. You've got two great goaltenders, although Robin Lehner didn't really show it in game one. You know, for them at least, they wonder, hey, when are we going to win? We've just, you know, traded or signed for a bunch of big-name talent every single offseason and nothing to show for it. But, but this is a Colorado team, man, that's – that they're scary good. I think that they are legit. Legitimately, they're a goaltender away from being unstoppable. If you put a, a guy like Carey Price or a guy like, you know, Oof. even the way Varlamo's been playing this season with the Islanders, you know, former Avalanche player, this is a team that I don't see how they lose. You know, this would be a team that would be better than Tampa if they had Vasilevsky. They have unreal talent on this team. Yeah, that's why Tampa's so unfair, because Vasilevsky's just playing out of his mind on top of them being a wagon. Like, it's so unfair. Uh, speaking of playing on, out of their minds, how about Montreal sweeping Winnipeg? Were you, were you surprised? Like, I thought, I thought it was over for Montreal after they came back against uh, Toronto, but they're going to the semis. I think they're going to get rocked, but they made it. I mean, after game one, when you have Shifley suspended for what ends sure, up being yeah. the rest of the season – it, it, it kind of makes sense, and, and the Islanders loop go four one now. So wow, I'm not gonna say it's it's it, they put it out of control yes, here. I'm not gonna do that because they give up two goals in the third period in the last game, and it was real tight afterwards. But they're up four one, and Ali it just is, has to be on fire right now. Tuka Rask is imploding here. I mean, he can't control a rebound on the shot. Uh, it was Matt Grizzlick, I believe, the defenseman who tried to clear the rebound, had it stolen from him by Kyle Palmieri, and he just taps it in. So that that's a that's a top rate for the Bruins. I mean, I don't know where Bruce Cassidy goes from here. I I don't because this was, I mean, they're just getting outplayed. The Islanders are out shooting yeah. the Bruins by five right now. How about that, Luke? When the, when we the want Tampa, rock, baby. We want Tampa. Oh, don't do that. Don't See, do. See now that. I gotta watch this game on mute because of you, Luke. This is ridiculous. Because of me. Could have been the final game you. of the Coliseum. The waning minutes of the Coliseum. I gotta watch this game on mute. When the when the I, roof of the building we'll be out of has here already been blown off, right. we will be out of here before the end of the game. So relax. I don't know. The, the game's getting pretty much out of hand now. They might just go. Uh, they might go continuous might clock mercy. Right? They might. Yeah, but, I told you we could. We didn't have to do no, the show. No, but I felt okay? bad for canceling so, the show on Monday. Yeah, don't let people forget that you cancel the show, not me. It's usually the me. Usually, so, issue, but I had good. Good for I me. Had, 
you know, my father was up to visit. I didn't want him to have to sit here and listen to us talk. You know, I, I figured he want to hear you as well, not just sit in my room and, and hear me speak into headphones. But <laughs> getting back to the Canadians like, before we move on, you know, everyone thought that they were going to get swept by or, you know, lose to Winnipeg. I'm not going to say anything about them losing to Vegas. I think they could get smoked by Colorado. But with a goaltender like Carey Price and an offense that Vegas has that I think could be shut down, you know, they don't have that number one center. That's the one piece they're missing is that elite number one center. I don't think it would happen, but I wouldn't put all the money on Vegas if I, if I you know, I don't know. I just, I'm never going to say never to, to Montreal shocking the world again. They've won seven straight games. Gives yeah, real it's really LA fun. So like, and they're going to, yeah, and they're going to allow fans. Uh, they've been allowing some fans in the Bell Center. They're also going to allow cross travel. So yeah, into Canada. That'll be that'll be cool. Um, yeah, for for that series. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk some baseball. Pirates rookie Brian Hayes was called out after missing first base on a home run. He was kind of checking to see if the ball was gone or fair or whatever. And he missed touching the base, so that becomes an out. And the biggest rivalry in sports right now is the Pirates and touching first base. And the really interesting part I thought Matt was the Pirates didn't allow him to talk to the media after that. So no accountability either. And, and that's part of the problem with these these Zoom, you know, press conferences versus having media come in in person, right, Luke? You don't get that opportunity to talk to the yeah. guy. But this is the dumbest rule in baseball, right? I agree. Like, the dude hit a home run. It went out of the park. How are they calling him out? Like, he didn't they, – they couldn't tag him out. Yeah. I, I don't know. This That was an issue. Did you and see I, um, it was college baseball where the dude hit a home run, but he didn't touch home plate, so they didn't count it? That was no, that was uh, that was actually oh, minor league baseball. Right. They, yeah, they called it a triple because he didn't touch, and it looked like he did touch. He home. no, he blatantly like he touched home. The 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 umpire yeah. botched the call. This stuff makes me so mad because it's the stupid rules of of baseball that again you never see in any other sport, like hockey. Yeah. When when the when the puck crosses the line, when the ball <laughs> in, in in baseball crosses the the the, the fence, it should be over. The play is dead. Yeah, right? that's it. Yeah, but like this is the equivalent yeah. of if a basketball player shot the ball and stepped out of bounds after was out of his hands, but didn't go into the hoop. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's. Oh. If an outfielder if an outfielder can't run into the stands to catch a ball, then it's dead. It's a dead play. Like once the ball's gone, it's gone. Like do, don't we Running see walk offs where like the guy out. doesn't touch home plate? Like it's a two run. Well, shot they can't when see. You're... You like jump into like. Yeah, well, no, like. Let's say you're you're down you're you're tie game and Aaron Judge hits a two run home run. He doesn't have to touch home yeah. plate, but it's still a home run. That's true, yeah. It's a valid point. Yeah, I don't understand it. it makes me mad. Um, let's move on. Was perhaps the biggest story of the weekend, but I didn't open with it because it is a few days old. But Julio Jones traded from the Falcons to the Titans. The Falcons get a future second and a fourth round pick. The Falcons also gave gave up a sixth round pick in the deal. So Julio to Tennessee. I'm shocked. I mean, maybe a lot of teams were in on this, but this feels pretty light. I know Julio's a little bit older. People say injuries, but he's played basically a full season his whole career except for one year, which was like his second year in the league where he played five. So I don't – this felt really light to me. It does, but you get – you know, a, a second and fourth is, is better than, than nothing, I guess, right? You know? It's not going to be a good yeah. second, though, which is unfortunate for, for the Falcons. But it, it's kind of time to move on. You know, I think this is a team that's looking to to rebuild and – you save some money and you just kind of get on your way. Again, it makes no sense that they just drafted uh, the tight end out of Florida, fourth overall. If you're moving, exactly. If you're tearing down, why do you have a tight end? Like you could have traded that pick. Yeah. And maybe they didn't get too much um, interest in that pick, Luke, because you could have traded that pick for what would have been at least probably an additional two first round picks. And also, if you were going rebuild, why not take a quarterback? And then really just go but then you have, Cause now but you then have Matt Ryan's wasted. You know, maybe they didn't like those quarterbacks. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, now you have, I mean, you have, you still have Kelvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts. So I guess that's the idea is like to replace Julio. We get Kyle Pitts to still have enough targets and stuff, but it is weird to me. They're kind of like dip, dipping the toes in the water. Like I think they just don't want to admit that they can't win a Super Bowl under Matt Ryan. I think that's what it really boils down to. They had their one chance and they didn't get it. And now they're kind of like trying to hang on and be like, well, maybe he can go on one more run, but it's going to be a lot harder without Julio Jones. But on the other side, the Titans, they lost John Lee Smith. They lost Corey Davis. But to get Julio, I mean, they have, like, three of the biggest dudes in the league with Julio, A.J. Brown, and Derrick Henry. Like, there's some real dudes on that offense. But now it comes down to defense, right? Which is which is so crazy to me yeah. with, uh, with football, Luke, is that 
This team had a great defense two years ago, and last year they just completely stunk. So how do you yeah. – you got to come back from that. And, you know, no Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator, I think they'll be fine. But they're, they're a fun team. A too. lot of people saying uh, Arthur Smith did the, uh, the Titans a little favor there, sending them. Now, Luke, I'd imagine that, you know, the coach doesn't get a say on who where they trade the, the person. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, so, I don't funny. know who's uh, saying this, Luke. I don't know who's telling you this, this nonsense, but. Yeah, let's do let's do one more story. Let's do Deshaun Watson. Uh, his former teammate and current Bronco, Kareem Jackson, said that Deshaun Watson told him he wants to be in Denver. He, uh, he said that Watson told him, quote, listen, man, tell them I want to be in Denver. Uh, probably has some bigger fish to fry right now in his personal life, but. The Broncos make – they always made sense to me as a fit for any quarterback. I mean, we talked about Darnold. We talked about Wentz. Uh, Watson, the next in line. You know, obviously the personal issues are going to be an actual issue. But without that, I think he would be a good fit there. They're kind of a quarterback away too. But I don't know. They traded for Teddy Two Gloves. They might still believe in Drew Locke. So I don't know if it would really happen if they want all that baggage right now. Did you just call him Teddy Two Gloves? Yeah, Teddy Two Gloves. Is that Teddy Bridgewater? Oh, because he wears yeah, two gloves on his hands. Okay. Yeah, come That's on cool. now. Uh, I don't know about Teddy Two Gloves. Yankees update, Luke. They're up 5-1. But Garrett Stand Cole, three-run shot. Garrett Cole allows a run. And it, it's annoying because it Uh-oh. doesn't say how they gave up the run in this scoring summary. Blanco. Blanco hit a home run. Why does it say it in my scoring summary? 397 feet. So a little, a little poke. I don't see it. It doesn't say it in the scoring summary. I'm very well, what app are you? I'm using the ESPN website. Like, it's right here. It's the box score. It's got the other yeah. runs. Stanton Homer, by well, the way. Well, it just happened literally a minute ago. But it has the 5-1 the in the top. Oh. So it knows know. who scored. It just doesn't know how they. Anyways, <sighs> that'll wrap up Odd Man, Matt. I don't know what you thought about it. You, you, know, you interrupted me like six times. So I, can't I even... thought it was glorious. Okay. Then I I'll take it. it. Um, you did a I great turn job, it back Luke. to you for the final 13 minutes of the show. As much as I want to talk about the Islanders, Luke, I, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, yeah. this team's ridiculous. The wagon. Are they are they playing right now? This is bad radio, but no, no, no. They they've got a, they got an extra day off. Yeah. All right. Going well, they're Milwaukee. up two nothing in the series, Luke. After uh, Monday's beatdown of the Bucks, <laughs> they won 125 to 86, Luke. That's a 39 point win, Woo. the largest in the playoffs uh, for the for the Nets franchise. All this without James Harden. He's been out since 43 seconds into game one with that hamstring injury. And, Luke, I'll, I'll ask you because you're, ba- you're the basketball guy. Is this – Am I? I had it more than me. Does that mean you're just the hockey guy? Is that all you get? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, I'm, the, right. I'm the sports media guy, Luke. <laughs> I know how to talk, but I don't know how baseball or the sports work. All right. I'd send the soccer guy too, to be honest. So, yeah, you can, you're British. You have the soccer. So does you that mean you cricket as well? Yeah, there you go. Um, but, you know, it's kind of a mix of where the Bucs just seem to not be able to hit shots, Luke. They're, they're shooting 24% from three-point line, uh, 44% from the floor in general. So you say, okay, they can't hit their shots. But also, like, let's not act like the Nets aren't playing solid defense. Like, the defense is working because you're not expecting Drew Holiday to go, you know, well, 6 of 10 is fine. But Chris Milton was 7 of 20 in game two. He missed his first eight shots. Like, that's not all on Chris Middleton being a bad shooter in this moment, right? Like, this is the defense stepping up and kind of playing, doing a little something. Yeah, I think it's a good mix. I don't think the Nets are playing, like, elite defense, but they're certainly doing enough. And, I mean, game two, they, they did play good defense. Their bench came in and played really solid, too. Like, this team is really good. And I said it last week where I'm like, they don't have that juice because they don't. But for me, like, selfishly watching them, they're, they're really fun to watch because they're so talented. But looking from an outside just basketball perspective, it definitely is a little bit boring when they, when they go out and beat a Bucks team by 40. But I guess that shows their greatness because a week ago I was sitting here saying this is their biggest test. You know, the Bucks are the only team that could possibly try to match up defensively and try to slow them down. They're the only team that can try to match them on offense. And the Bucks, the Nets have just blown them out of the water in the first two games. So it's, it's really just a testament to how good this team is. Even without James Harden, they win by 40 points. That's ridiculous. And, and Luke, the question kind of is, is this bad for basketball? Like, how bad is this for basketball if the Nets end up sweeping or winning in five against Milwaukee? Because, you know, an injured Joel Embiid, Nick's, the Nets might win that game in, in that series in four or five again, and then don't even talk about 
the Western Conference and the NBA Finals, like this team could win every single series in, in five games. And is that something that hurts the league in terms of, you know, continuing to create super teams, continuing to, you know, demand, make demands and go handpick where you're playing? Like, is that bad for the league? I think when the first kind of started happening, sorry, you froze up a little oh, bit. Oh, did I? Back. Oh, my bad. Uh, when, yeah, we're good, though. We're good. Uh, when it first started happening, I think, with the super teams with Durant and the Warriors, I was like, this is terrible for the game, terrible for the sports. Basketball is boring. Every year, though, I would tune in and watch the Warriors versus LeBron. And I think that's the biggest issue is that this finals won't have LeBron. Like, if this was Lakers-Nets, I think it'd be – like, if it ended up being Lakers-Nets, I think I'd be like, okay, that's fine. Like, it's going to be, you know, LeBron. It's going to be Anthony Davis, all these stars. But when you're looking at, you know, a Utah or a Denver, even a Phoenix who has a couple of stars but not to the same level, it's like, ah, man, that doesn't have that same kind of juice, that same kind of pull. But in, in general, I think the super teams are fine because I like the, the two superstar system because I think it gives a little bit more balance than the three. But the Nets do have the three. So I can see why people would say it'd be boring. But for the sport, I think it'll survive. I mean, they've crushed ratings, you know, for the past five years, I think. Even with the Warriors playing the Cavs every single year, they still survive. So I think they'll be okay. And I'm excited to see who comes out of the West. But yeah, after that, it could be a real beat town. Yeah, Luke, I, I think what irritates me in terms of the argument of load management with the, with the Nets is, like, KD is coming, still coming back from injury. James Harden only missed games because he was hurt, and then Kyrie is, is Kyrie. Like, he just does his own thing. Like, this isn't necessarily load management, and they were good enough to allow their guys to rest. I mean, they were one game back at the top seed. This wasn't a team that said, forget the regular season. We're going to never play our stars. We're going to play KD five games, and come in with the five seed and, and managed to sweep our way through the playoffs. Like this was a team that missed games due to injury. And I think that's what kind of frustrates me, Luke, when you see guys say, this is bad for basketball, load management, da, da, da. like sure load management isn't great for basketball, but the Nets aren't the, the biggest issue when it comes to that. To me, it's, it's guys like Kawhi. It's guys like really, to me, the first guy that comes to mind is just Kawhi Leonard, who pretty much left the Spurs in part because of load management and, and things like that. Yeah, and also, I mean, what's bad for basketball would be if their superstars aren't healthy for the playoffs. Like so it, it's kind of, yeah, exactly. It's kind of a, a mixture of both of those things. So, I mean, I understand the argument, but I think at the end of the day, this Nets thing is kind of going to be a blip, you know? It's not going to be going on for 10 years. And I don't know if maybe they'll just be another example of, okay, another team's going to spring up another big three. But it's not like this team is built to win for a decade plus. Like, this is going to be a two, three-year window. Maybe more and all stay together. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be a thing that lasts forever. But also, that's the NBA now, Luke, is there's no real loyalty to your team. That's what sucks. Yeah, also, that's the issue. You say that sucks, but I think that's kind of interesting because you have different teams kind of flare up and, and there's drama to it, right? Like maybe the Nets are blowing teams out, but the entire season, the, the talk was, this team's got three shots to win a championship and then they might be awful for 10 years. And it's not good for Nets fans, but to have a team like, you know, say the Lakers pop up and be good for a couple years with LeBron. And then, you know, let's say, you know, he retires, let's say, and then it's the Clippers turn. And then it's this team's turn. Like that to me is also exciting is you have this almost like a mini arms race and that anticipation and that build towards becoming a great team. And, and also Luke, you know, you want to talk about teams that try to build up the, the right way. The Celtics did it the right way. You know, the only reason they have is Kemba and that team's not very good. Like that team might never win a championship. And who would have thought that? Who would have thought that this this Celtics team, after recouping all the assets and trading in those draft picks for players from those the Nets trade so many years ago, would be a seven seed and then get blown out by those same Nets? I mean, what was the point of those trades yeah. at this point? Exactly. And I think also with I think the also thing we have to remember with the NBA is it's just not as local as most sports. Like the loyalty that we see in fan bases, like you have the Knicks. I think there's teams like the Jazz that are really – there's fan base that are, of course, passionate. But at the end of the day, like, the small markets are going to hurt, but it is probably better for the game. Like, if you – you know, for me, I like Orlando. I know for a fact they're never going to compete in my entire life. They're not going to be good because they're going to try to build the right way, which will lead to what the Knicks just did. Maybe they make a five seed one year and they win a couple games in the playoffs, but they're not going to win a championship. So it kind of sucks for small markets. But 
the NBA is not built on the backs of small markets. It's built on big markets and big players and superstars. And that's why it's kind of a good thing. But then you have teams like Denver and the Jazz that have great players, and they also are able to kind of do it the right way. So they kind of have that balance. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to be the Nets that take this whole thing. And, and I argue this, Matt. I mean, we said it. If the Nets don't win a championship, it's a failure. Well, now they're going on a, a, a heat-seeking missile towards a championship, and now people are saying it's boring. So it's like, how can the Nets even win in this situation? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're playing to their expectation. And, and Luke, I, I wonder, could Orlando kind of pull a, a Brooklyn Nets? Like, could they find one more piece? Because up until this year— Who Luke, wants to go? That's the issue. I mean, who wants to go to Phoenix? You know, why did Chris Paul go to Phoenix? Right? I mean, Phoenix is a lot more. I guess they're kind of No, they're very similar, I would say. I mean, I think Orlando's a great city. I don't know why people are, why you're all of a sudden taking shots at Orlando. I mean, you got Disney right there, Universal, no state income tax. I'm not taking shots at Orlando. You just said, you said no one wants to come to Orlando. I'll go to Orlando. I'll be a magic. Because who has ever wanted to go to Orlando? They've only been good through the draft, which was Shaq, and then it was Dwight Howard. Like, that was it. But then, I, I mean, I guess you could still build through the draft in theory, Luke, right? You see Milwaukee doing the things they've done, and then you gear up and you make a trade. So, it's... It, Milwaukee can't get over that hump. Like, will we ever see another team win that does it the right way? I don't know. I mean, we haven't seen it in so long. If you, I guess the Warriors. It, it's unfair to say this, but if you discount the Nets because that's a, a random team then Milwaukee's right there and probably winning the championship. You know, you could say the Sixers are that team, too. And in last year, if the bubble thing didn't happen, Luke, and, and maybe it was a normal season without COVID, I'd probably bet that the, the Milwaukee Bucks make it to the, to the championship. And maybe they don't win, but, a ch- I mean, a championship appearance for a team in Milwaukee, like, that's unheard of. Yeah, they basically just ran into the heat, which another, that, that was weird. But, yeah, I agree, and I think that, but I th- also think we could look five years from now and be like, man, how do the Sixers not win a title? You know, how do the Bucks not win a title? You know, it was just the Nets and the Lakers and the Clippers, like, kind of cycling around. But at least, like you said, at least the superstars kind of do cycle around. They, they make stops in different areas to try to win championships. So I guess that's a good thing. And I, 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 I do keep thinking about that question I asked last week where it's like, if this big three is happening in with the Knicks, would we be talking about it like, oh, this is boring, this is bad for basketball? Or would we say they have an awesome fan base, which makes this better. It's like no one seems to really care about the Nets. You know, the Nets fans seem to be in New Jersey or a little bit in Brooklyn, but they're just not the same. They're just not as passionate and they're not as large as the Knicks fan base. I mean, it's really unfortunate that the Nets, you know, are a team that's practically giving away playoff tickets. You know, James Harden covering half of the the first round. I mean, that's crazy to me. The fact that, and obviously, you know, James Harden wasn't buying those tickets for people. Like, let's be real. The Nets were offering them at a discount. That's yeah, how they're marketing yeah. it. But could you imagine a team like that not selling out? Like, it's just, it's just crazy to think that a team that good with that many stars wouldn't be able to do this. And, it, and ultimately, Luke, I guess it comes down to the Knicks, right? Like, it's the Knicks' fault. Even if you didn't have a team, you know, even Golden State, they're not a big market, but they're getting, they're selling out because there's no one there to really take away those fans. Yeah, and I also kind of think about if the Nets win this championship. Like, the last championship in New York City was 2009 with the Yankees. And this parade, like, I can't even imagine. How, like, it's not going to be, you know, if the Knicks won the championship, when the Yankees won a championship. Even when a team like the Mets wins the championship. Even a smaller kind of fan base, even the, like Islanders. the Islanders, they would – Exactly. They would show out because they have that passionate, localized fan base, and then the Nets just don't really have that. I wonder what they do with the Nets, like, long-term. Like, do you think they ever move out of Brooklyn? And I know it's it's super... I don't like, think they could. There's just there's just nothing there. I mean, they already moved from Jersey, so I don't think they're going to move again. And yeah. New York does... They're definitely a two-team market. It's just... It's the same as the Clippers, though, but a lot of people say with the Clippers, like, oh, if they get their own arena, it'll all be different. Well, the no. Nets have their own arena and their own sector of new york and i would still guess the majority of people in brooklyn are next i really think the nets leaving new jersey was rough because i mean that's a fairly easy market to corner you know you look at the devils for example yeah it's, it's yeah you know and obviously the eyes that center was was kind of garbage and all that we not you know not the best by the end of it but i mean moving to the prudential center with the with the with the nets or with the devils rather but luke that, yeah. that's that's pretty much it yankees up 5-1 I can't wait, Luke, for the Islanders-Nets championship parade. It's going from the Coliseum all the way to the Barclays Center. A quick pit stop at the UBS Arena when it's almost being done, built. 
What a rush, man. New York sports. Let's Islanders team of destiny. Are, are we throwing team of destiny on the Islanders or no? That was last year, right? We can't last do it year again. they weren't team of destiny. Oh, they weren't. I thought you team of destiny. No, 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 no. I'm very selective of my team. Actually, of you might have team of destiny delight. I think I did. If I, if I, if I'm being wow. honest, and and the one good news for the Islanders, I guess whoever comes out of this Islanders Bruins series is, you know, it, there's no reason for the Islanders to beat Tampa, but there's a chance because it's so hard to go to back to back Stanley Cups. Like that's the only reason the Islanders have yeah. a shot is I just don't see a team. Re- they had to play it. late. Yeah. But yeah, Tampa Bay had to play late in the last. I mean, year. they played never six know. more games than the Islanders did last year. It was an extra week. Or <laughs> yeah, two. I know. I know. But yeah, I'm excited for the Watlin Greco uh, battle. Maybe we should watch and stream those games. Would people watch? Yeah, me, there you me go. Me and Ben sitting next Content. to each other on the same couch. That would be electric. Cheek yeah. to cheek, real electric. Will. All right, that's enough, Luke, for the Watlin show. We should be back on Monday. I'm going to say it. We'll be back next we'll see. this coming Monday. We've never done It's never been done. I'll be there. I don't know about Luke anymore. You know, it's, pro- it's your turn to call off the there. show. You know, if we're alternating back I'll and forth. I'll be there. All right. So that'll wrap things up for the Wilding and Owen show. If you missed any part of the show, you can check the podcast or, of course, check us out here exclusively on Twitch. And, of course, wherever you get your podcast, you can catch the podcast version of the Wilding and Owen show.